Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Asiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today is episode number 395, Purpose-Driven Entrepreneurship with Joe Ross at Higher Echelon. Once everyone figures it out, it's just how long it takes to figure it out. And my recommendation is don't take a year to figure it out. If we can shrink that to two months. Well, I just wrapped up recording this episode and it will cost me about $60 in uh, books or maybe uh, $5 in late fees from the library because there were so many great books that Joe recommended. Here's a couple things that stood out to me from this interview. And first of all, make sure you check out the show notes for this episode at beyondtheuniform.org. In addition to a link to Joe's company, Higher Echelon, there's also links to all of the books he describes, as well as an interview we did with Taylor Justice years ago, who you'll learn was one of the founding members of the Higher Echelon team and has gone on to found Unitas, which has exploded, absolutely exploded as a company. So a couple things that I really liked from this interview. The first one is that Joe has a great perspective on entrepreneurship and he and his other two co-founders started by only investing $1,000 into this company and they made the commitment that they would not join the company full-time until it could pay their salary you know, at, at a competitive rate. And it took three or four years to get there. And I feel like this is so contrary to the, what I would call bad advice I so often see of burning bridges, jumping off, carpe diem, seize the moment, just start the company. All of these things that I think are potentially really harmful for aspiring entrepreneurs. That's one thing that I think is great. The second, though, is that uh, Higher Echelon is a company that is all about enhancing uh, company and individual performance. And Joe gives a lot of great frameworks that are applicable to your career in life, no matter what that lifestyle is, whatever that career path is. He talks about things like people, process, and technology and constantly learning about which one to focus on in your life or organization. He talks about the values that drive his companies, which I'm going to start borrowing, which is learn, grow, adapt, and lead and why that's so important. He does a lot of work with transition assistance and talks about mindsets that he sees in military veterans, and I found that really helpful as well. There's a lot of goodness here, and so be sure to check out this episode. As always, at beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find a lot of great resources, all for free, over 394 episodes just like this one, and we've got episodes lined up for every single week going forward, so really excited about that. So with that, let's dive in to my conversation with Joe Ross at Higher Echelon. Joining me today in Huntsville, Alabama, my guest is Dr. Joe Ross. Joe, welcome to Beyond the Uniform. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to, to be on your show. I'll give listeners both a bio and a background. So the reason uh, Joe and I are talking is I had just looked at, selfishly looked at companies that are growing quickly, companies that have grown to a scale. And as an entrepreneur, it was helpful to learn from these people. So I reached out to Joe Cold and he was kind enough to meet on the show. But here's his background for listeners. Dr. Joe Ross is the president and co-founder of Higher Echelon, which is a service-disabled, veteran-owned, human and organizational 
performance consulting firm that works with both public and private sector clients to enhance performance. Higher Echelon has over 150 employees in 25 different states with the corporate office in Arlington, Virginia, but headquarters in Huntsville, Alabama. Joe started Higher Echelon over 10 years ago with his business partner, Paul Maggiano. Joe holds a Bachelor of Science from West Point, a Master's of Education in Psychology and Athletic Consulting from Springfield College, and a PhD in Industrial and Organizational Psychology from Walden University. Amidst all of this, he also found the time to serve as the assistant football coach at West Point from 2009 to 2012. So to start things off, Joe, I'd love to hear, you know, rewinding the clock. I always like to ask this because about half of our audience is still on active duty. And so what would you want them to know about what that transition was like for you? That's a great question. You know, for me, my transition was, you know, a little bit different. I was medically retired. You know, I was broke. I knew I was broke. I was trying to stay in the army as long as I could because I didn't want to get out. But it was getting to the point where I just couldn't do my job anymore as an infantry officer. So I had to go through the medical process and the army said, hey, you got 90 days. You're definitely broke. You're retiring you. And after 14 years, I had 90 days to figure it out and get a job. Now, the benefit of that was my last job, I was doing a lot of stuff with high performance and working with the army on setting up programs for high performance. So at least I had a mental state from that experience to help me with this transition. I think it's a good reminder. Some people we've had on the show, they had planned on, you know, 10 years, 20 years, whatever it was going to be. And then that unexpected medical situation showed up and then they're forced to start thinking prematurely about what they're going to do next. And I think it's just a good reminder for our audience that who is on active duty, that even if you have your plan, nothing's guaranteed and to always kind of be having your backup plan. So let's kind of do, I want to spend most of our time talking about higher echelon, but could you walk us through from that unexpected medical departure from the military? What would you want listeners to know about the journey that you went on leading up to higher echelon? They're kind of hand in hand. You know, it's funny. I teach the general officer and flag officer transition courses now. And a lot of what I teach them are mistakes I made in transition. So as I was going through the transition process, I'm still in the military, and probably six months before I knew, I went through an exercise uh, in my job to identify my why, my purpose. At that point, when I identified it, I didn't know I was getting to get out of the military, but I knew I wanted to drive organizational excellence. So the, the tagline of higher echelon, a trusted partner in organizational excellence. Okay, so then I found out that I'm going to transition. And when I find out, and my wife and I start looking at jobs, you know, we're looking at salary and looking at location. We're totally ignoring purpose and why, right? And we found, we had five really good opportunities in that 90 days. And all those opportunities were really driven by my network, friends, and using LinkedIn. So I'm a big advocate of networking and LinkedIn, which we talk about in the transition course. But when I looked at those five opportunities, I ignored that purpose, which drove our decision-making process to taking a job in Connecticut where I was selling internet marketing to lawyers. It was called Phylum. Now, the job is awesome, and a good friend of mine from West Point introduced me to the job, and he was very passionate about it. It was his why. My problem was when I got into it, it wasn't my why. It wasn't my purpose. It wasn't what I was passionate about. It. So probably eight months into the job, uh, West Point just fired their head coach and I knew one of the two coaches that was going to be hired. And the one I knew personally did not get selected, 
But I talked to my wife, I said, hey, I should just throw my name into the hat and see if I get hired as one of the assistant coaches. And she's like, oh, go for it, go for it. Well, I got hired to be the special teams coach. This is probably why Navy beat us 14 years in a row during those, those times. They hired guys like me. I ever did that, and I was in that time frame of, I really don't like this first job out of the military. Paul Majano, my business partner, and I, we just started talking and started throwing ideas around. And, you know, he wasn't too satisfied with his current job. I wasn't satisfied with my current job. I was like, man, we should start our own company. And that conversation just rolled into a higher echelon. And um, we didn't hesitate. We started putting it on paper, started putting a business plan. We knew we needed a, a third partner at the time. We had a third partner, Taylor Justice. We actually branched off to start another company called Unite Us. That's another guy you should interview. He's a 2006 West Point grad. So us three, basically from September 09, we worked pretty much every night, every weekend during our free time, trying to get the nuggets of higher echelon together. And we did that for four years. You know, the first year was what the business plan looks like. The second year was we're going to base this off my background of high performance psychology. So we recreated the resilient adaptive leader. We wanted to use processes and how it would look like in the business world. So that's where Paul expertise came in and uh, Taylor's background. We finally tested it in 2011 with eBay. That was our first client. And I had to take vacation from my current job coaching. Went out there for two days and they loved it. We worked with the, their top 42 executives in the treasury department. So those are three years that I'm talking about creating higher echelon nights and weekends. But the agreement with me, Taylor, and Paul was we don't leave our current jobs until higher echelon can pay our full salary, right? And it was just a process. It was just one step at a time. You know, can we do this? Uh, there was, you know, those early years, and you got to be patient, right? Because three years is a long time to, to step baby steps, right? And really, our, our break finally came in 2012. That's when I left coaching. The Army needed me or asked me to look at a program that I initiated when I was in the Army called the Comprehensive Soldier and Family Fitness Program. It was originally called the Army Center for Enhanced Performance. They asked me to do a year strategic analysis of that program. So that's when I said, hey, I can do it, but I don't want to work for a big company. Can higher echelon get put on this contract and I'm paid as a full-time consultant? And the Army said yes. So that's how the higher echelon really started, you know, full-time with 2012. At that same time was, you know, four years of doing that, Taylor started working on this other side project called Unite Us. And that's when he branched off in 2014. And this became more of his love and passion. And um, that was fine. You know, we were, we were all agreed to it. And then Paul didn't come on full-time until 2016, you know, and he really went from a VP and a $40 billion company called Old Castle to, and moved to another $40 billion company called the Carlisle Group. The Carlisle Group knew that he had higher echelon and was working on it. But again, all our calls were five in the morning or midnight when it fit Paul's schedule. So that's kind of a long answer during that transition of how we had gone, but a lot of persistence, a lot of grit, a lot of late nights, early mornings, weekends, um, and just baby steps, you know, and, and a lot of luck that came together. I want to unpack here. This is, this is great. So first of all, I'll put in the show notes for listeners. We actually interviewed Taylor Justice about Unite Us years ago. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I've, I've been watching as they've grown and, you know, they've really exploded as a company, but it's awesome to hear that he had his roots in this process of kind of learning the entrepreneurial process. The thing that I most like hearing your story is the thought of all of you working on nights and weekends for four years 
And, you know, for me, when I hear like, okay, well, you land this pilot or this, this program with eBay, I mean, a dream to get a company of that scale, but then to hear that you're taking vacation time from your day job to go do this. I think it's a really powerful example for aspiring entrepreneurs to see that it wasn't like, uh, oh, whatever, we're just going to jump into this. You were really methodical about building the business to the point that it could financially support you without overburdening the business. And I feel like I see that dilemma for entrepreneurs oftentimes of like, you know, I hear that when I'm like, oh, I'm going to quit my job and start this company. And I, and I kind of cringe of thinking like, do you realize how long it takes to get to a point of making money? And I'm, I'm wondering if we could maybe double click on that and go a little bit deeper. And I'll try to tee up a specific question here, but I'll broaden it a little bit. And, and part of this is for my own edification. Let's take two different views on this. One is leaving a job to start a company. And some people would say, well, you got to burn the bridges. You've got to, you know, just make a commitment and quit whatever you're doing and work on it. And otherwise it will never grow. I've heard that before. And I've also heard that with fundraising too, of like, well, you got to raise a lot of money because other companies are going to outpace you. Other people are going to steal your ideas. So you need this dry powder. And it's, it feels like they're both in the same vein of like, in order to grow, you have to dive in head first, which I don't really agree with that. But I'm curious your perspective on that for either fundraising or full time, how you would advise someone to know when is the right time and how to address that fear of like, well, someone will be faster, it won't move quick enough, it won't get off the ground if, if you had that fear at all, either. That is a great question. And really, you should have my business partner on like, for another call. He was the guru for our business plan and kind of the, the business model based on his background. And based on his background, he had another startup where he left his job and the financials didn't come in in the first year and he had to go back, right? So he had lessons learned. So when we stood up higher echelon, the agreement was, hey guys, we're not leaving our jobs until we can sufficiently pay our own salaries that we currently make today. I mean, for me, it was easy because I was a football coach and I wasn't getting paid much. For him, he's a high executive, so he was getting substantially well. And for him to eventually leave his job to come on full-time with higher echelon, we had to be doing well. So that's why he didn't come on board until 2016, where we could afford it. So our thought process from our experiences was, we're going to slug this out. We're not taking investments. The only investment we made was we each made $1,000 each. We're not going to take on debt by bringing on private equity companies or financial loans or anything like that. And we weren't going to quit our jobs, right? So we did everything the opposite of everyone else. And we just felt like if we kept to our plan and we believed we had a really good model we could eventually break down the doors. Now, I will tell you, in 2011-12, it was kind of hairy where, you know, I left to go to higher echelon from coaching. My other offer was to be the assistant special teams coach at the New York Jets. So I'm either going there or I'm staying at Army or I am starting higher echelon. This is where the purpose came in. Remember I told you I went through that exercise of defining my why and my purpose. And higher echelon was the only opportunity in 2012 that was going to match my why, a trusted partner in organizational excellence, right? Where I can take high performance skills, combine them with technology to really push organizations to the next frontier. And that's what I really enjoy doing. I chose that path and it wasn't easy that first year. It took us another year to start getting employees to bring in revenue, 
even though I my salary was being paid. At that time, Paul and Taylor were ready to hang it up. And I said, uh, hey, guys, give me give me six months to see if I can get employees. We build a revenue now that I'm doing this full time. So uh, we've, we were able to and everything worked out. But it was slow pace. We are willing to go slow versus fast because of those constraints. And we felt more secure with those constraints. That's the way we did it. Now, Taylor, his next venture, they took on capital and they took on, they're very successful by doing it. So he's done it both ways. So you might want to bring him back on and ask that same question. As you look back on the 10-year journey or, you know, over 10-year journey, I'm wondering if anything stands out as a benefit to having taken this approach. Was there skills you picked up along the way or people you met along the way that, you know, or maybe even ideas that you were really excited about at the start, but then because you were going slower, they fizzled out and you're like, oh, that was actually a bad idea. So I'm, I'm like wondering if anything stands out as like, wow, because we went slower, these were some of the benefits. And also if anything comes to mind on, on the counter example of like, because we were going slower, this was a pain point. I'm just kind of looking for any examples that might stand out if you have any. Yeah, by going slower, we're able to shape the company to what we see it today. You know, we're a modern business environment. So we knew we wanted to work virtual. So the pandemic didn't hurt us because we've always been virtual. You know, again, Paul, my business partner, he helped drive that and we set the right systems up. So our systems were always in place probably six months to a year ahead of than we should have been. So we had the right systems in place. When we first started, it was the resilient and adaptive leaders. So high performing cultures and organizations. But as we grew, we understood pulling technology in it was going to make a better impact. And we knew that from our experience. We didn't know how to do it in 2009, but we figured it out in 2012. And then by going slow, my business partner, Paul, he had some different experiences uh, implementing a technology called Salesforce, which is a customer relationship management tool. And he is the number one expert that implements it to organizations. And by going slow, he had the opportunity to do that with one $40 billion company. And then he had another opportunity to do it with another uh, $40 billion company as a vice president. Those two experiences allowed us to pull Salesforce implementation into our company, which really drives the people process technology that we are known for today. And again, you can operate in silos from people process technology, but when you have a bridge and I call it digital transformation, that's kind of the bridge of the process and you pull technology with high performance skills. I mean, you create magic in organizations and by going slow through those experiences allowed us to combine really the heartbeat of higher echelon today. That was not identified in 2009 and we really didn't figure it out until 2016 when Paul came on full time. So that's a five year learning lesson. We're still adapting. That's great. And I wanted to ask about Paul and, and Taylor too, but my question is around First of all, finding and vetting those partners, because I've seen businesses that crumple from a poorly made partnership. And, you know, specifically, I think you had said you knew Paul, you guys were working, and then you said something along the lines of like, we knew we needed a third. And I'm curious how you knew that there was something missing, especially like I feel from the military, some bluster sometimes of like, whatever, I'll figure it out. I don't have this knowledge, I'll figure it out. So how you knew that there was a missing person or skill set that you needed to round out your founding team? That is a great question. Well, Paul and I were classmates at West Point. So we had the same major, engineering management, and we had every class together our last two years at West Point. So we knew each other pretty well. 
Now we broke contact where we didn't talk to each other for 10 years until we re-engaged to talk about, you know, these ideas. Paul has a business mind and really I'm an operations mind. I can get things done for my infantry background. I can see the big picture and I know how to pull things together. Paul's a visionary and he understands the business side, finances and that kind of stuff. I just accepted the job to coach football. He was a VP in a, an organization and we're like, okay, how are we going to do this? That third partner, Taylor was, okay, Taylor may have some more free time to knock some targets down in the sales. And, and Taylor was a sales guru and uh, he was doing really well. And he got medically separated about the same time I was. Taylor and I were already talking and I could see what he was already doing in the corporal sector. So my thought was, okay, Taylor's really good at sales. I'm really good at operations. Paul's really good at finances and business, why don't we pull together? And if we can pull these ideas and Taylor can get some sales for us, then that's some easy wins. So he was doing really well in the corporate sector, getting us opportunities to really prove our concept. And that's what those early days were, with proving our concept. There's part of me that I noticed from the, I think it's from the military where I still kind of have, you know, I only, I only served five years after the Naval Academy, but I still kind of have this hierarchy where it's like, you know, I'll look and see like, oh, this person graduated in, you know, 1995, I graduated in 2002. So there's almost like a built-in deference. And one of the things I admire about your stories, I'm like trying to put myself in your shoes, like Taylor probably graduated 10 years after you from West Point, there's a little bit of my ego that gets involved there. Like when I think about co-founding with someone, I'm thinking if someone graduated from 2012, there's part of me that's resistant to that, to be like, well, 10 years, this person's senior. I'm not going to bring them on as an equal, as a co-founder. I'm not hearing that in your story. Like I'm hearing that you're like, oh, I saw this skill set. It just kind of like feels really egoless to me. And I'm wondering if you have experienced that in your career or any advice you have about that, about letting that piece go of kind of like hierarchy or I've got more experience or less, or if you dealt with that at all. I've experienced it in my career. I was Taylor's mentor when he was a cadet at West Point, when I was a teacher there. So I knew Taylor. Paul and I had a a personal relationship and it was really me bridging those two together for them to talk and develop a relationship. And I think once we all talked and we understood the value we could bring to what we wanted to do, then we trusted each other. And I think that's one great thing about West Point. It doesn't matter when you graduate, the same experiences and you have an automatic trust factor because of those experiences. And I've had conversation with guys that graduated in the 60s, 50s, 70s, and I could easily put myself in their shoes and feel like I was their classmate, their teammate, because that bond and that trust. And I've experienced that over and over with West Point graduates. So I think we're very lucky in that nature. And we all agree that we're going to do our separate jobs. We're only investing $1,000 and our work ethic is going to make this work or not. So it was either us three joining together as equals. I think that was the only way to make it work. There was no way one of us was more senior or the boss of anyone else. Uh, And that's how we operated. And it it worked out and we continue to work work that way. The only reason I have president to my name is because I'm the disabled vet and we're we're a service disabled veteran owned small business. I'm 100% disabled. So I have to have the the senior rank, but we're equal partners in my book. uh, And it's always been that way. 
That's great. I just want to bookmark for listeners two things on that that just stand out. One is it is remarkable to think of investing just $1,000 each and growing this to where you are. And it's another testament to the fact that you guys kept jobs elsewhere and you didn't have to force your own salary needs on the company. And then second of all, I know it's come up a couple times and we haven't spoken about it specifically, but I really admire how early in your career you defined this purpose. And it feels like that has been this metronome for you in both building the organization, but also guiding your career decisions. And I think that's a really good example for our audience of taking the time to define that purpose or values and letting that guide your career decisions. And I really liked the counter example you gave there where in your first job out of the military, you got you took a job that sounded like it was great pay, but not great satisfaction or purpose. And you were able to course correct from that. And, and since then, it seems like you've really stayed true to that. That is the number one thing for anyone doing any type of entrepreneurial task or even a job is if you're doing the job you love that allows you to bring your companies and strengths and meet your, your heart and meet your passion, then you're going to do the hard work that's needed. I think our experiences, our vision, we're very matched up with the same purpose and our company values are learn, grow, adapt, lead. And that gives you a foundation for how you operate on a regular basis. You know, so we want to be a learning organization that takes criticism in and takes feedback and embraces change and embraces new opportunities and embraces creative ideas. That's a a learning mentality that follows into a growth mentality because, you know, a growth mindset is someone that, again, embraces change and can be innovative, is not afraid to fail and can bring in other people for their ideas and collaborate and talk. Uh, So those two things are very important. Paul and I, that's really how Higher Echelon got off its feet, even with Taylor. And, you know, adapt. My first experience with adapt was military, you know, when I was deployed. You know, be predictable by being unpredictable because it was a chaotic environment and the enemy was always watching you. So you had to be unpredictable. That's adapting. In the corporate world, it's the technology. Technology changes so fast, you've got to be able to adapt. And normally what holds organizations back is their, it's their reaction to the change. Well, if you embrace it and you expect it and you communicate about it, then it's easy. But if you fight it, then it's always going to be hard. And then that leads into our last value, which is lead. And we firmly believe that you lead yourself to be self-aware. You lead yourself to be, to self-evaluate on a regular basis. You lead yourself to self-motivate, you know, so you show up to work ready to go, focused and confident, right? And then you lead yourself to self-regulate, right? And self-regulation is your reaction to the situation and having the skills to deal appropriately with it, right? And if you can do those things and lead yourself well, then you're going to set the example for others and you're leading others. So it doesn't matter if you're an employee that has no one to lead, you're leading yourself. And by leading yourself, you're always leading others and you're always facilitating. So learn, grow, adapt, lead is our values. We believe that fosters an environment to be a trusted partner to drive organizational excellence. And it works. And all that stems from my relationship with Paul and our backgrounds from the military, from West Point, his business background, my sports background. And we're very lucky that everything we do in higher echelon is based on 30 years of experience. I mean, our military experience, our West Point experience, our degree in engineering management, uh, my degree in sports psychology, his MBA, my IO degree, all those things get put into higher echelon and we get to do it on a regular basis. There's not many people that say you get to operate 
25 years experience in a, in a job on a regular basis. My coaching experience all comes to our job. I love, I want to get it on a sticky note right after this on my whiteboard here. Learn, grow, adapt, lead. As you were saying that, I'm thinking back on previous companies I've started where, you know, when I hit muddy waters and I'm like, oh, I wasn't really learning and growing in that phase. I was just kind of like building the business without continuing to cultivate skills. And it led to a lot of quagmire for the company. And so I, I think those are such great values, regardless of a listener's intended career path. It just feels like they're good guideposts to make sure that people are growing, adapting, leading. And I love that you call out that leadership, especially for our audience, leadership doesn't have to be a group of 200 people. You could be one person and it's still about leading yourself. And I feel like that doesn't get a lot of play. I want to go a little bit deeper on this, but let's back up. And can you um, set context for our audience? What is higher echelon? Who do you work with? What's the sort of work that you do? I just want to make sure they have an understanding for where the advice is coming from. Yeah, so Higher Echelon, we're an organizational performance consulting firm. We work with Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies. We also work with DOD and government. Over the years, our niche is how we combine people, processes, and technology, right? And when you combine those three elements, you're driving organizational excellence. So what are those three elements? Well, you can put them in silos. The first element is our human capital services division. That's totally focused on people. That's the culture of the company. That's how you consistently and deliberately perform at a high level. It's can you identify the purpose of the company? Can you identify the why of the employee? Right. So anything that has to do with the person is our human capital services team. Change management falls under that. Now, processes, there's an overlap. Right? So processes is your routines, it's your efficiencies, it's how you do business, it's what's going to, it's the nuts and bolts, right? And for us, it's the bridge between people and technology. So our bridge is digital transformation. Our bridge is the change management process. Our bridge is Lean Six Sigma, right? But we really focus on the first two, digital transformation and change management. And then lastly, you get to technology. I've seen over and over from my time in the military, working with special operators, creating technology so they feel like they're in the environment with 3D gaming simulation. The brain doesn't know real versus gaming versus you closing your eyes and dreaming, right? So the more you can create real-time environments and you can speed them up to, to make the brain think you're there to apply the principles of what you're trying to do, you're giving yourself more opportunity to perform as the best version of yourself. So we use gaming technology with that. And we use Salesforce implementation. So Salesforce, like I said, is a CRM tool. Well, that's technology, right? But the benefit of that is implemented into an organization. So now it becomes a process. And oh, by the way, the people using it, right? If you're using it correctly and deliberately and consistently, well, then you're going to improve the operations of your organization, right? So those are the three things we focus on. That's our niche of how to combine them. And we'll consult with the government on how to apply all three. We'll consult with Fortune 100 companies on how to apply all three. And it doesn't mean all those things are happening at once. It means what are your needs? Where are your gaps? And based on your needs and gaps, we're going to make recommendations within those areas to bump up your game. 
I think that's so great. What immediately comes up for me with my company, Captivate.ai, is I read a book recently that's really transformed my thinking called The E-Myth. And it's all about processes. And I realized how, you know, if I'm thinking of muscles that have been developed or areas of focus, I'm really focused on people and technology all the time. And I've really been deficient in the process side of things. So I like, you know, as you're describing this, I can see how for any organization, large or small, it is a constant balancing act. It is kind of like a, what, what do we need to tune up? Is it people? Is it process? Or is it technology? But those feel, I mean, obviously, there's been an exceptional amount of thought behind this, those feel like very comprehensive, like almost everything that you're addressing is covered by one of those three and just seeing how they do overlap, like you said, like with Salesforce, it's a technology, but you have to have a process and you have to have the people using it. So I really like that framework for our audience of just the people, the technology and the processes. I'm wondering, and I know this is maybe a difficult one to blend, but where my mind goes, given our audience is like, wow, you've got over a decade of experience of working with companies, you have your own military experience, and the work that you do with transition assistance. And so what comes up for me is like, have you noticed any common blind spots that military members or veterans have when it comes to their own performance? Or have you seen common challenges that they face? Does anything come out for you in blending all those together? Oh, yeah. I think the uh, the biggest blind spot for military transitioning to the corporate world or Department of Defense, whatever they're going to do, is trusting what they did in the military is extremely valuable in the corporate world. I think sometimes they don't fully comprehend the skill set they have, and they have a tremendous skill set, every single branch, every single service member. Such step one is you have a, a great skill set to offer. The second step is really identifying what their purpose and why is. I think that gets pushed to the side. A lot of times we're focused on location, where you're going to live and salary, what you're going to make. And I think a lot of service members have a type A personality where, oh, I can do anything. You mentioned it when we started out but that gets you into trouble because people aren't going to hire you to do everything. They're going to hire you for a role on a job. And the more you can identify what your competency is, your greatest strength and tie that into your values and tie that into your purpose. Now, when you're having conversations with your network and your network is so powerful because your network, you're going to provide direction. You're going to provide motivation and you're going to give them a sense of where you fit with the next organization and your skill set that you're going to bring. Your network can help with that. Your network can't help with, oh, I can do anything or uh, whatever's out there. I don't know what I want to do. Your network can't help with that. But the more focused it is, the more deliberate it is, uh, then your network can help. Military people have an awesome network if they take advantage of it. And it's more powerful, in my opinion, when you get out of the military versus when you're in the military. So that, those are the really the blind spots is how to piece that together so you're communicating it the right way. But once everyone figures it out, it's just how long it takes to figure it out. And my recommendation is don't take a year to figure it out. If we can shrink that to two months, then now you're off and running and you're enjoying the other side, just like you enjoyed serving in the military. I think that that's so spot on. And I just especially like that piece around that, how that I can do anything 
how hard it is because I've, I've had people tell me that and it's like, I can't go to my mental Rolodex when you can do anything. The more precise you are, the more I can help you. And I love that. And I think it's great, like you're saying, knowing that they have a good network and knowing that they have really valuable skills. Um, I'm curious if there's any resources that could be books, podcasts, training programs, anything that's helped you in your own career path that you would recommend to listeners. Yeah. Well, there's lots of great books out there. I enjoy this, this book outward mindset. Uh, I just think it's a fascinating book because it gets you to see beyond yourself, but also the pull in high performance principles and it gives real world scenarios. So you actually can visualize uh, how people navigated the different environments and, and how they ended up being successful. So that's a really good book. Another good book is just the agile leader. I'm a firm believer in being resilient, but more adaptable. And the more you control how you adapt to the situation, the more chance you're giving yourself of success and growth. So that's another one. I'm a firm believer that we're in the virtual age. I mean, the pandemic, what it did was it really gave people knowledge that you can work remote from anywhere and still be very successful. You can be very efficient and you can have a better work-life balance. So it's funny, creating the virtual organization, uh, I actually read that before we started Higher Echelon because uh, we knew we wanted to be in a, a virtual environment. Uh, so books that are talking about a virtual environment, books that talk about high performance, and books that talk about businesses. So like Built to Last by Collins, Good to Great. Any of those kind of books are going to help you out. One thing that I hope stands out for listeners, you know, you probably got a, a taste of it in Joe's bio between the PhD he holds, between his master's in education, between his bachelor's science. And then for those of you listening, not watching, uh, Joe is literally holding up these books. They're on his desk. They're within his hand's reach. And it just kind of underscores for me. I know it's, it's a trite saying, but uh, leaders are readers you know, you get the sense that Joe is constantly learning, that he's constantly growing, he's constantly adapting, just like his values are. And I think that that's, you know, if I were to pinpoint one of the things I imagine has made his company be so successful is he's not resting on his laurels. He's continuously sharpening himself and his team. And I, I think that's a really great example. I know we're towards the end here and I always like to leave the last question open-ended. And so you can take it one of two ways. One is, you know, I asked a lot of specific questions. I'm sure there's something I didn't ask about that you could share with us that would benefit our audience. So I'm open to you taking that question however you want. Or the second way is just, what are some final words of wisdom that you want to impart before we wrap up? Oh, good questions. <laughs> no, I appreciate you having me on, on the podcast. It was a lot of fun. You know, Justin reached out to me blindly, just like you noticed. And I immediately noticed he was a 2002 Naval Academy grad. And right there, because he was a Naval Academy grad and service members, like, okay, I can respond to this and see what Justin wants to do. So my message to service members is, don't be afraid to reach out to people you don't know because they will help you and you never know how they're going to respond. So you just got to ask the question. I think if you're going to start your own business, be very deliberate and consistent with your approach. Be very patient and understand it's a lot of grit, a lot of 20, 22 hour evenings or days, weekends, you're going to give up vacation time if this is something you really want to pursue. And you know, eventually the stars will align and part of these stars aligning, in, in my viewpoint, is how you create opportunity. And creating opportunity is talking to your network and communicating to your network with a very 
operationalized plan that the person you're talking to can visualize it. They can see it as plain as day as you. Uh, and don't be afraid to share those ideas with others uh, because it's other people in your network and organization that's going to help you become successful. And Paul and myself and even Taylor, we're, we're not, Higher Echelon is not successful because of our, us three. It's successful because of all the people around us. It's successful today because of our 150 employees. And it's successful today because of all our clients that do trust us. It's never by yourself. So trust those people around you and, and use your network as best as you know how. Yeah, I think that's great. And, you know, when you were saying that, I was thinking about the posts that I see on LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. The posts that I see where someone says, hey, our team is hiring this position. This is what it looks like. Here's a link to the job post. It's so prescriptive and immediately actionable. Like they are spoon feeding me exactly what I need to do. And you see this outpouring of success. You know, that's a specific example. But anytime someone's able to crisply articulate what they're needing. I'm just a big believer. The willingness to help is there. I like the way that you said it. It's just operationalizing it. It's just making it something that someone can take immediate action before the next shiny object on the newsfeed distracts them. And you've lost that opportunity to capitalize on their attention. So thank you so much for sharing your story. For listeners in the show notes of beyondtheuniform.org, we'll have links to Higher Echelon. We'll have links to all of the books and resources that Joe discussed. We'll have a link to Taylor Justice's uh, interview as well. But thank you for sharing your story, Joe, with Beyond the Uniform. Thanks for having me, Justin. I enjoyed it. Surface, surface, surface. Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our chief of staff, Steve Bain, our editor, Lex Brown, and our head of social media, Janelle Hanf. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media, at military bases, or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way. Third of all, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career in life.